Well, good morning. Thank you again for joining us today. We are in the second week of our observance of Advent. And Advent, on one hand, is a remembrance of the birth of Christ and the life that he lived amongst us and the eventual death that he died on our behalf. On the other hand, Advent is also this looking forward to Christ's return and to the fulfillment of everything that he promised and the fulfillment of this kingdom that he initiated and that we are now taking part of as the local church. Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminds us, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. So each week, we are inviting you to observe Advent alongside us in your own homes, in your own context. Uh, you can use whatever candles you have at home or that you purchase at the store. We also still have some uh, at the church that we purchased for you. So uh, if you want to come by uh, the church office at any time, they're just sitting on a table outside the office. And uh, keep in mind that the candles are purely symbolic. There's nothing magical about the candles. At the same time, the space that we embody uh, very much is uh, sacred space. We do be believe that the Holy Spirit meets us as the church, and so um, it's kind of both. It's, there's, there's not anything magical to the candles. At the same time, uh, it is very spiritual, and it's very real that Jesus is indeed with us. Uh, we're also asking uh, that you take pictures of your setup, uh, of you and your family lighting the candles, and you can tag us on Instagram, at Sudos Baptist, or send your pictures to Tina, tina at sudosbaptist.org, and we would love to see um, w what you're doing in your own homes. So last week, Pastor Brandon lit the hope candle, and uh, he reminded us that because of the redemptive uh, hope that Jesus offers each of us, that we are not forgotten that we are works in progress. Uh, Brandon shared about uh, one of his favorite worship songs, a song called Fire Fall Down by Hillsong United. And this is a song that I, in response to his sermon, listened to on repeat uh, multiple times this week. And the line goes, I know that you're alive. You came to fix my broken life. I know that you're alive. You came to fix my broken life. And I love the, the beauty of this image, that it's this very simple reminder that God is working in us and that God is very much present and alive with us. So at this time, I'm going to relight the hope candle in remembrance of the hope that Jesus offers us and invite you to do the same in your homes. So this week, we are observing the love of God as demonstrated specifically in the gift of his son, Jesus the Christ. The Apostle John, who spent a considerable amount of time with Jesus, self-identifies in the gospel that bears his name as the apostle whom Jesus loved. The apostle whom Jesus loved. Now, I always thought that this was kind of presumptuous. You know, he's saying, I am the one who Jesus, whom Jesus loved. Uh, it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, my dad would sort of jokingly say to me 
as a second-born son. Nick, you are my favorite second son. And for just a split second, I'd feel really special. But he'd say the same thing to my older brother, you are my favorite first son. Say the same thing to my younger brothers, uh, John and Josh, you are my favorite third son, my favorite fourth son. And that's what I think that John is, is saying here. Because note, he's not saying, I'm the only apostle that Jesus loved. And he's not saying, I am the apostle whom Jesus loved the most. He's simply saying, Jesus loved me. And as we see from history and from John's later writings, this is a love that came to define his identity, came to define his ministry. It's one of the legacies that John leaves behind for us in the pages of Scripture. In 1 John, uh, I'm sorry, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, John records Jesus' words. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So this is a legacy that John experienced I believe through the day in and day out of just walking with Jesus, traveling with him, following him around. And I do imagine that it wasn't just this religious, symbolic version of love. I don't think Jesus stood at the front of a fancy church building, wearing a fancy robe every week, proclaiming his love for John. I believe that John experienced the love of Jesus in an earthy, tangible, very human way. I also imagine that John did and said some dumb things over the years. And I believe that Jesus had to correct him, rebuke him, and show him that he is loved not because of his accolades or his uh, good moral behavior, but simply because Jesus chose to love him. Scholars believe that John was likely a relatively young man when he walked with Jesus, probably somewhere in his mid to late 20s. And by the time he gets around to writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, uh, and eventually the book of Revelation, John has had a lifetime of reflecting on his years with Jesus. And so scholars believe that John was likely in his 70s or 80s when he wrote these New Testament books. And in a way, these are John's parting words to the young church as he lives out his final days on earth. He writes to the church in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. John wants his people to know that our posture before God is that of a child, dependent, trusting, affectionate. And I imagine that this idea might have been seared into John's young memory because of the time Jesus rebuked him for pushing the children away. See, in an effort to guard Jesus' time and energy, John and the other disciples often played the role of crowd control or personal security. There's this one particular instance recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels where Jesus was bombarded by parents bringing their children and their infants to him for a special blessing. 
In Mark chapter 10, the text tells us that Jesus was indignant. He was visibly upset, and he said to his disciples this, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now, I I imagine that John was taken back by this. I imagine that it may have taken John a while for him to understand what Jesus was saying. The kingdom belongs to these rascally little kids, these needy, insignificant little children. See, this is the great paradox of of the kingdom. In order to receive the love of God, we need to approach him with the posture of a child. We need to recognize that we are in need, that we are vulnerable, that we are weak, that indeed our souls thirst and hunger. A few weeks ago, I found myself in kind of a dark place. For me, it's one of the downsides of being a depressed pessimist with a melancholy personality. From time to time, I inevitably inevitably find myself kind of in this funk, second-guessing everything about my life, my reality, uh, sometimes my faith. And in this place, I was disengaged, I was isolated, angry, bitter, resentful. But another part of my temperament is that I'm deeply sensitive, and so eventually I just break. And so after a few days of being in this dark place, I reach out to a trusted friend who also happens to attend this church. If you're trying to guess who he is, I'll give you a hint. He's probably one of the best-looking guys at this church. I would say um, top five, easily. Anyway, so I text this guy. I say, hey, bro, I'm in a, in a dark place. Man, I, I could really use some prayer right now. Uh, he texts back, uh, sure. Uh, do you want to FaceTime? Do you want to chat? I said, yeah, hey, FaceTime would be great. Uh, give me a few seconds to, to step outside. And so I go outside. Uh, I go to the garage, which has become my sanctuary uh, in the pandemic. And we FaceTime for about an hour. And I just laid it out there for this brother. I, I was raw. I was honest. Uh, and really, I was all over the place. There wasn't really a, a coherent logic to what I was sharing with him. And this brother was, was really patient. As he walked with me, as he listened to me, he affirmed my emotions without enabling my sin. And he asked me some really good questions. Uh, One of the questions he asked was, what do you think you need right now? What do you think you need right now? And I just sat there, and and I thought about that for a little bit. And then I said, man, it's embarrassing to admit But there's a part of me that feels like I'm eight years old, and I just need someone to come alongside me and say, hey, man, you're going to make it. You're going to be all right. And my friend told me, you know, that's nothing to be ashamed of. He said, I think that's something that, that all of us need deep down. And my friend reminded me that Jesus calls us to come to him as children, Humble, vulnerable, needy. And man, I 
I fell apart that night. I, I wept as my friend held me through the iPhone. He, he put his virtual arms around me, and, and I swear, something broke inside of me that night. If I were to put it into words, I feel like I was holding this jar of toxic emotions, all of my fears, my insecurities, my resentment, my bitterness. And as my friend prayed for me, I feel like the Holy Spirit loosened my grip, pried this jar from my hands, and in doing so, set me free. Looking back, I feel like I was a kid crawling into Jesus' lap, desperate for his affirming love. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit was guarding that moment of time in that cold garage, rebuking the voices often so present in my head. Voices say things that say things like, you are pathetic. You should have learned these things a long time ago. Be ashamed. Be embarrassed. And in that moment, my friend embodied Jesus to me. He simply loved me. And I do believe that that love set me free. Because as I walked back into my house that night, I felt a thousand pounds lighter. I felt like I was freed from the chains of my own anger, my own resentment. See, it's incredible the work that love does in the human heart, the freedom that it brings. In my personal devotions this week, I came across Proverbs 10:12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. And I think this is so true. Hatred stirs up all sorts of toxic emotions and unhealthy thought patterns. But in the end, love just washes it all away. There's no hoops to jump through, no long, drawn-out religious rituals. Love simply covers over all of the wrongs in our lives. And so at this time, I'd like to invite you to light this week's candle with me. Um, and again, this is, this is sacred space. I do believe that um, Jesus meets us wherever we're at, in our homes, in our garages, in our cars. Um, so as we light this love candle, let's remember the, the love that Jesus pours out on us. The fact that we are the people, we are the sons and the daughters whom Jesus has loved. So as we close our time together, as we spend time meditating on the love of God, I'm going to read a passage from 1 John chapter 4, and I'd like you to take this in as a prayer. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray together. Lord, I I do thank you for the, the gift of your love. I thank you that you have met us in our earthy, human details. That you have met us uh, in our messy lives. And so God, I I ask that you you would teach us to to love well. That you would teach us to receive your love. Show us what it means to come to you with this posture of, of a child. Trusting, needy, affectionate. And God, I ask for your hand of blessing over everyone listening right now in their living rooms, in their kitchens, in their cars, walking in the neighborhood. May they experience your love this week in very real, tangible ways. Lord, would you gift us with stories to tell of of your great love? And may you give us opportunities to love as well. And we all ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.